Uh, take your Bibles and turn to uh, Revelation chapter 21, 21 and verse 8. That's our text for tonight. And whereas we have been in this series on, on the torments of hell, and there's a, one way in which this is a continuation of the sermon from this morning, but really I want this sermon tonight to be a part of our faith series that I was doing recently and uh, was going to do uh, it tonight, uh, but uh, instead we came up uh, with this. I thought this is very important as well. You know, we're living in a day where in America, many of us that are older in here never thought we'd ever see the things that we see today. I mean, I grew up in public school, uh, 50s and 60s, and none of your business, anything else. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, um, Bible every day, prayer, public school, and, and they didn't want to kick God out. And whereas you had problems like you do in every generation, uh, the guy's a liar if he says, well, the problems aren't any worse today than they were then. He's just an out-and-out -out liar, or he's so dumb he doesn't know any better. It's just one of the two ways that you place that. Uh, I like what I heard someone say, and I wish I could remember who it was. They said, there's nothing wrong with America that the elimination of cable news and return to a 15-minute nightly newscast wouldn't fix. And so I thought that was pretty good. But as we know, you've got riots. You've got the threat of civil war. And basically, I see it as a trial of the Christian faith because our life is to be based on the Word of God, not a political philosophy, not the modern-day educational philosophies, because life should not be based on a philosophy. Life should be based upon the Word of God because it gives us everything we need. And so, uh, the best philosophy you can have is truth, absolute truth. And that is found only in the Word of God. So, as we cover some things here, I, I'll admit some of the things that I cover tonight may seem a little bit hard, uh, but it's going to be, I think, very important. Now, this morning, I looked at uh, Revelation chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, and we kind of got a glimpse of the fire and brimstone that's going to be there forever in that place called hell. And people go there. More than ever, because of the situation you see in our country today, there is a great need, a great need that God's people be holy, be righteous, and be a witness. A witness of the gospel of Christ. So look at our text, Revelation 21, verse 8. Because now we see the reason we need to be a witness. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars 
shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, as we told you many times. We're all born spiritually dead because the word death means separation. Our, we're born separated from God. If we don't have a Savior before we leave this life, then our eternity is in that lake of fire. However, the Lord said, whosoever will, if you'll come to him, he'll save. But we've got to get that message to a lost and dying world. The second death is that when you die in this physical body and you were not saved, the second death is eternity in hell, tormented night and day. And the reason for all of that is for not believing in Christ. There'll be multitudes that day that'll say, well, nobody ever told me. And that may be true. Matter of fact, Ezekiel talks about those who do believe having blood on their hands. They'll be saved, but so as by fire. They'll be in heaven, but there'll be the blood because they did not give the gospel to a lost and dying world. Just remember, the day that Noah came off the ark with his family, every person in the world knew God. The failure was not God's, it was man. God is not unjust when men are cast into hell because Jesus Christ paid the penalty so that they would not have to go there. He wanted to save them from their sin, from sin's power, from sin's consequence. Save them from their sin. But men love darkness rather than light. What a shame. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we delve into your word this evening, I just pray that it would be clear and understandable that thy spirit would speak to hearts because, Lord, I as a person cannot do it, but you by thy spirit can through your word. So I just pray that I just be a vehicle that you use to take the word to the heart. If there's one in this auditorium who does not know that they died today, that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the day they make sure of that. There may be one listening by radio, watching by the live stream. May this also reach them as well. And we'd ask this in that name above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, we just started this morning sharing with you Revelation 20, 14 and 15, and death and hell. We told you death, separation from God, hell, that eternal place of torment. But, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You die without Christ, your name is blotted out of that book, and your name at judgment will not be seen in that book. And there's another verse that we started to get into just a little bit, and that was in Revelation 20 and verse 10. This is at the end of the tribulation, that seven-year period after the rapture has taken place. It's here on earth, and, and boy, I tell you what, God's not only pouring out judgment, but Satan, is he's after it, and he wants to reach the whole world to keep them from anybody getting saved during that time. And so after him with the false prophet, and the world leader, that Antichrist, it says, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, 
and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now again, as we've told you many times, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. God didn't want man to go. But when man follows the devil, he doesn't want to turn from his sin and give his life to Christ. He goes where the devil is. The devil, Satan, and his angels do not, do not uh, really persecute. They do not torment anybody in hell because hell torments them. And if that will torment super spirits, who do you think you are that wouldn't bother you? Oh, no. And my friend, God is perfectly just in doing so. And so keep that in mind as we uh, begin looking at this verse. Now let me read that one more time. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, those list of things there, what is the great shame? It can be named among people who have received Christ. People who name that precious name. And, and, and it's in their lives. And so often, God has used people like that to keep people from getting saved, to mess up churches, to uh, cause problems wherever they go, and that is something that we need to be aware of as Christians, that we don't get caught up by it all. Uh, again, we see here, as the verse starts, but the fearful, the fear of man bringeth a snare. In the fear of God, there's wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, and the evil way. Fearing the Lord, Noah moved with fear, built an ark. He believed what God said about judgment coming. You believe there's a hell? Well, there really is. And without Christ, that's where you go. And that's where people go. But yet so often, fear, fear of ridicule, fear that, well, I'll be rejected. My family won't want me. This will happen. That'll happen. And so often uh, the fearful miss it because of the fear of man being greater than the fear of God. Next we're told about the unbelieving there in verse 8. And the unbelieving. People go to hell simply because they don't believe the gospel, and will not repent and believe. The Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 21 said he went everywhere preaching repentance towards God because all sin is got against God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. He who came to be among us, He, Emmanuel, God with us, in order to pay our penalty for sin. And we reject that love, we reject that, and we refuse to give him our life. Then hell is perfectly just for you. Hell is perfectly just for me, but my Savior died for me and I have received him. You know, the Bible likens marriage to, uh, 
to that, uh, getting saved, that, that uh, salvation is not an illustration of marriage. Marriage is supposed to be an illustration of, of, of salvation. Because you're coming to Christ. You're saying, I do to Christ. And Christ has already said, I do to us when he died for our sins and was buried and rose from the dead. He has the keys of hell and of death. He's going to be the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no man comes unto the Father but by me. You don't get there by doing the best you can. You don't get there by being religious. You only get there through Jesus Christ. So again, the unbelieving, they go to hell because they don't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, so you believe to the point. That's what's the idea of belief. So often we, we hear John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And sometimes we miss that word believeth, because the idea of the word in the Greek had the idea of believe in two. Other words, you believe into him, you give him your life. It's just like when a, uh, the guy proposes marriage and then the lady says, Yes, they've believed in two. Now Christ has gone to prepare a place for us and he's going to come again and receive us into himself. But we had that yes back there, okay? And now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Oh, we have that. But then again, the fearful reject that. The unbelieving reject that great truth that stands before us. But next we see something that I'm going to spend a little bit of time on, and you may want to go to the book of Proverbs, uh, chapters 25, 26, right around in there, because I'm going to spend some time on this. Because now he says the abominable. Now, this goes against political correctness of the world. This goes against political correctness of the day. But God's truth always supersedes political correctness. Okay? And in God's truth, we find it in Romans chapter 1. We find it back in the Bible, in the Old Testament as well. So wherever you go, it's there. That homosexuality is an abomination to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, the effeminate, speaking of homosexuals, the abuses of themselves to mankind, just the sexual perverts. It says, such were some of you. That's the good news. As terrible as those sins may sound to most of us, if not all of us, at least they can be saved from it. Now, sometimes Christians won't be forgiving, but God forgives. Okay. God forgives. And so, here we are. We, we look at this thing of unbelieving and the abominable. Oh, the abominable. God calls homosexuality an abomination. It turns his stomach. It makes him sick. It's absolutely filth. The idea of, say, well, our laws say that uh, they can marry one another. Well, it said that in Sodom, too. You realize that? <laughs> in diggings they've made, they found that there was actual marriages in Sodom. How did that work out for them? Now, with all the rioting and everything that's going on throughout this country, don't you think that perhaps, just perhaps, a lot of this is what God is allowing 
hoping that Christians will wake up, hoping that Christians will get right with God. But I want to think for a moment here of Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, because it says, These six things doth the Lord hate, and seven, seven is abomination unto him. And number seven, what is it? He that soweth discord among the brethren. Wow. You know what? He's talking about among believers. Somebody that sows discord among believers, God says they're as, as abominable as a homosexual to him. That tells you the seriousness of that sin. That tells you those who will be saved yet so as by fire. That tells you how evil this thing is in God's sight. So I just want to quote some verses here from Proverbs, keeping this in mind about abominable and sowing discord among brethren. Because, look, I've seen this over the years in, in not only in full-time ministry, but before I was ever in full-time ministry. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up in church. So I know these things go on. I know these things happen. The first verse I want to just share with you, though, is the idea of Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. What is he that has no rule over his own spirit? He just can't help it. Now, isn't it interesting? So often we talk, man, these women get together and blah, 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 blah. They run this down, they run that down. But it seems like throughout Proverbs, for the most part, it's talking about men. Talking about men doing those things. In God's sight, that's not a man's man. That's Satan's man. And Satan can use Christians for those things. You see, you've got to understand that uh, when you're looking at he that sows discord, well, what does somebody do that sows discord? Well, gossip. Scorn, when they scorn others. You ever think what that scorning others is like? Okay, uh, uh, Kevin and, and Naomi were up here singing that wonderful duet tonight. So, did you see them? Did you think, see the song they sang? They can do better than that. That church. Oh, man, that church. Why can't they just... Get up to date with the music. Well, actually, we are here. Ours is biblical. Ours is biblical. If you want that modern stuff, wait till you die and go to hell. You'll get all kinds of it there. It's a person that will scorn somebody's doing something. Yeah, they, they're doing that. Yeah, you get that in OCA. You get it from... Parents, you get it from sometimes teachers, you get it sometimes from people in church. What are they doing? It gets, they said about bus ministry. And they'll run it down, they'll find fault, and they'll say things. That's a scorner. That's a scorner. And belittling is to scorn. That is a person that sows discord because it's not just in his mind, it's coming through his lips. Now, you can confront somebody like that. 
And they'll say, I didn't do that. I don't do that. And within two or three breaths, they're saying the same thing again. Maybe they can't see what they're doing. I don't know. But when that goes among churches and Christians, and we're in this world as a light in this world, that is going to do much to put that light out, and it's going to hurt the testimony. And you're concerned about people on the streets that are looting, that are rioting, and they're doing all these other things. How can we be a witness if we're doing these things to one another? It is abominable to God. It turns God's stomach. And so he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls, just can't help himself. He's going to go right back and do it again and again. Um, I had a man years ago I had to talk to. I just said, look, you just need to either keep your mouth shut or you need to leave. You say, that's pretty stern stuff. Yes, it is. Sometimes God says for the pastor to reprove and rebuke as well as to exhort. I had preached a sermon out of 1 John chapter 2. said, they went out from among us because they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. I said, sometimes they go out because... The world, because the verse before that says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so they, they, they want the church to be worldly. They want this to go on. They want to get rid of the standards. They want to get rid of this. They want to get rid of that. And, and, and that becomes a part of it. And so they attack. So uh, that verse says, they went out from among us because they were not of us. And so I said, look, I'm not talking about anybody that ever left our church. But sometimes people leave because... They don't want those standards. They don't want this. They don't want that. They want to be of the world. They want to be liked by the world and so forth. But I made it clear. I made it very clear that we're not talking about anybody that left. Then I says, some people leave because they're really not saved. The guy I told that to got on the phone and called about several people. Said, Pastor said that you're not saved. Matter of fact, I called one that I knew that he had said that to. And I says, uh, and ladies, I'm not picking on ladies, but it was a lady in this situation. And I said, you know, I, I said clearly in the sermon that I'm not talking about people that left. And, and I, I didn't say that anybody that left was unsaved. Now, they could have been, but I made it clear. I says, I know so-and-so came to see you about it. Oh, no. I had five people tell me. I says, well, listen. It's on a website. You can go and listen to it. I've got a cassette tape. I'll give you a cassette tape so you can listen to it. We had cassettes back then. She says, I don't care what's on the tape or the recording. I believe my friends. I said, okay. I'll visit you in Chattahoochee. You know, I mean, just, uh, I thought, wow, that is crazy. That is just absolutely crazy. But, you see, there's the idea. They just couldn't help themselves. The guy that went around telling people couldn't help himself. And, and so that's what I'm just saying. There's some that can't help themselves. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21. Or let me go to verse 26, verse uh, 17 first. Okay, verse, 
verse 20, uh, uh, chapter 26, verse 17. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is as like one that takes the dog by the ears. And I don't know if that's a brilliant thing to do is to take a dog by the ears, okay? Uh, I mean, just grab a German shepherd by the ears, okay, or a pit bull, okay? Uh, you may wish that you did not do that. Uh, but sometimes, these are people who can be in ministry for years. They're working in a ministry. They may be in the music. They may be teaching in the school. They may be teaching Sunday school. They may be on some other part of the ministry, radio, whatever. But they'll see... They'll see the other ministries, and they might run down the bus ministry. They might run down the music ministry. They'll find some fault, and they'll get there, and they'll park there. In a ministry in which they're not doing, what does that mean? That means they're taking the dog by the ears. That They're doing things with that that does not belong to them. And that, again is something that hurts the testimony of the church and helps souls to go to hell and help Christians to just be saved so as by fire. Look, if you know people like that, there's two things. Number one, avoid them. Number two, pray for them. That's what Jesus said to do. And Jesus got it right. Jesus got it right. Okay. Now, 2620. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there's no tail bearer, the strife ceaseth. You know what a tail bearer is? He goes around and he tells tales. Now, he can have something that's just a semblance of the truth. And I said he because that's what Proverbs is saying. And he can add things to it. He can stretch it out, make it bigger, do things. Okay, that's a talebearer. And isn't it interesting? They go after that one, but they keep going after the same one. See, that man has a spiritual problem. He's got a spiritual problem. That's why he needs prayer. But that's why you also avoid them. You don't give them an ear for those things. You do not give them an ear. All right. Proverbs 26, 21. We just read, as coals are to, uh, uh, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So he's going to do that as next. He's going to do that. Uh, how, how does he kindle strife? I, look, I've seen this over the years as well. This guy over here is upset with this guy over here. And they know it. So they go to this guy over here and listen to what he says about him. Then he goes back over here. This guy over here says what they said about them. And then he says, you know what they said about you over there? Oh, man. Well, you know what? Blah, 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 blah. Guess what he said about you? And they keep that up. And you've heard of this, uh, especially guys that have been firemen and so forth like that. They light a fire, and they just enjoy watching it burn. And they won't take the side of either guy. They just stoke the fire with wood. But if you get rid of that kind of wood, 
the fire goeth out that destroys. You see. And so again, uh, Proverbs is telling us what to do. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21, we just read there. Uh, that's what it is. Now, uh, chapter 26, verses 24 through 26. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips, and layeth up deceit within him. That's it. Uh, this kind of a person will go around and work a crowd. They'll work people. Okay, they lay up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. And by the way, I have found that over the years, that they can be the most complimentary people with a knife in your back. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Now, we just saw about abomination. Well, there's seven abominations in his heart that does that. Whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be renewed before the whole congregation. Sometimes this kind seeks to build a following, to get people to follow them. Now look, I've been in full-time ministry for over 42 years. All of this that Proverbs is talking about, I've seen it not just once, I've seen it many times. Uh, they'll get over, they'll get upset with our Bible versions. They'll get upset with our music. They'll get upset with missions. They'll get upset with so many things and begin to do the abomination. And abomination is what? It is out and out sin. And the Christian will do the abomination of sowing discord. And we're told to pray for that one but to avoid them. And so often, if we don't, it's going to ruin our own testimony and it's going to hurt other Christians. Now, let's move right along here then in our message tonight. We saw here so far, uh, murder, uh, the, the um, uh, last thing there, the abominable. Next is the murderers. Well, hey, we're Christians. We're no, we don't murder. We're not in jail, are we? Uh, abortion is murder. I do not apologize for that. The ones that commit it should apologize to God first. It is ending a human life. It, it just, it's remarkable to me that, number one, People care more about an eagle egg than they do a human baby inside a mother. It's murder. There's a group up there right now. They're talking about this new judge. Now, look, I'm not putting forth a political thing. But they're afraid this new judge will overturn abortion. They don't want it to overturn cold-blooded murder that has no penalty from man. They're afraid that her belief in God will influence her. I hope. <laughs> I hope. And on you could go about those things. What kind of a Christian will stand by and say, that's all right? No. You see, we've got to stand. You know, uh, you hear, get, get out the vote, get out the vote. You hear that all the time, but look. If you're going to vote, 
As a matter of fact, I already got something next Sunday's bulletin about it. But if you're going to vote, make sure they stand right morally. They back the word of God. These people want to get God out of this, not only out of the schools, but out of the public fanfare. Don't even say the name of Jesus. They hate God. They want to do away with the First Amendment, at least part that says, and the free exercise of their, thereof, of religion, and the free exercise thereof. They want to do away with it. And look, I'm not telling you to vote Republican, and I'm not telling you to vote Democrat, I'm not talking to, uh, telling you to vote Independent, I'm telling you to vote for the man that stands with the Word of God, at least there's principles. Now look, I'm not saying every person gets saved uh, that, that you vote for is going to be saved, but look at their record. Look at their record. Does their voting show it's good for the church, for Christians, for the cause of Christ, or does it go another way? Does their Voting support homosexual marriage. Does their vote support murdering babies in cold blood? Does their, I mean, I thought one of the dumbest things, but it was a good thing. Uh, this past week, the president said he's going to put out one of these things that uh, uh, order to stop killing the babies after they're born alive through an abortion, yet they're still living, that they have them out and then they go ahead and kill them. What is that? Murder. Okay. All right, so he says, murderers. All murderers. And then whoremongers. And we know of sexual sin, and that is really dealing with that. And sorcerers. This has the idea, comes from a Greek word, pharmakeia. It means black magic with the use of drugs. That's what it is. The Bible's telling us about the last days, drug, the increase of drug use and the magic. Witchcraft is what he's talking about. Okay? All right. Now let's go on. Idolaters, worshiping, worshiping anything besides God. Sometimes it's idols such as a, a statue or something like that. Other times, it is uh, money. It could be so many things. God is to be the all out-and-out out object of our worship. Okay? Idolaters and all liars. Liars. Have you ever told a lie? <laughs> you say, no, you just did. All liars. Yeah, we've all told lies. It's not good. It's something you repent of. And don't let that to be one of those things that you just can't help yourself. You're going to tell a lie when there's trouble. All liars, and what does he say, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you're saved, you won't be there, of course. That you'll be saved so as by fire. First John 2.28 says you'll be ashamed at his appearing. You'll have the loss of reward. And that's eternal reward. I mean, I've said plenty of times, being in the lowest place of heaven is a billion times better than being in the best place in hell. But it's still not anything to be proud of. I'm just in heaven alone. 
What kind of love is that? That says, well, I don't care. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do these things. I'm saying, I don't care. That's really loving God, the one that died for you when his, the Father poured out all the, his wrath, almighty wrath on his son's human spirit, and that's the way we treat him. And a guy will sit, stand around and say, I love God. You liar. No, you don't. You're fortunate to be saved. Well, I'm fortunate to be saved. We all are, that are saved. But it's because he was a loving Savior that would forgive as we repented and turned to him. Not anything that we did of our work to earn it. You see, this world has not come to Jesus Christ because they're not seeing Christ. They don't see him through our personal witness. They don't hear the living gospel through us. As I said earlier, I, I went to public school. People knew the name of Jesus. They knew about the cross. They knew about the death, burial, and resurrection, whether their family went to church or not. Now, it's almost, as a matter of fact, I had uh, a teacher tell me this, that uh, students in their public education could not use the name of Jesus unless they were using it in a way of taking Jesus' name in vain. Folks, if that's the case, now what's this? I don't know if that's the case or not, but if that's the case, that is evil. That is of the devil. Especially with a country that was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic, that is the truths of the word of God. But the world's not seeing it. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The reason the world is not seeing Jesus then is that God's people are not allowing the fullness of Christ to be manifested in them and through them. Yes, we should be different. But as I heard one person say one time, the thing that drew me was not what you had because I have more than you, but rather the peace that you have. I couldn't buy that. And the world is seeing too many Christians that are not satisfied with God and they're turning and adding more and more and more and more of the world to their life, even to their worship now, so that their churches are nightclubs. I call them glorified nightclubs with apologies for using the word glorified. It's an awful thing for Christ to see his people for professing to be Christians that are lifeless amid a place in their lives that is parallel to unbelievers when America needs us to stand up. Christians are too busy trying to protect what Jude 4 says, turning God's grace into lasciviousness. They don't want to feel bad about it. Now, again, 
I believe that I rebuke myself in, in this message tonight as well as anybody else that might be here. Because I know I can do better. But God called me to preach many years ago. He wanted me to preach His truth. Speak the truth in love, but preach the truth. A preacher can up, be, up, be up here and be so nice, but not speak the truth. That's not speaking the truth in love. We're out to rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Yes, Jesus gave the parable about the tares among the wheat. There will always be tares among the wheat. There will always be those that try to destroy Christian lives. And they think they're doing the right thing. They think they're doing a good thing. Try to destroy churches. We've had people leave here over the years that said, well, when we leave, we've got money. There goes the money. There goes their missions. Do they get a joy out of seeing missions suffer? Do they get a joy out of seeing a, a church suffer? That's perverted. But to their chagrin, God always increased our missions and increased the work. Invariably, if you're a member of a church, someone will come to you someday with a complaint, an accusation. 99% of the accusations made are false. They only have elements of truth that makes the whole thing look like it's true. But even that 1%, if it is absolutely true, my first question is, so what did they say when you went to them and talked to them? Have you had prayer with them and tried to get it straightened out so it'd be right? You know, you can't be right if you're not trying to make it right. Oh. Oh. For some reason or another, because I've, I've, I've said this to people, I say, look, well, I'll go with you to them, we'll talk. I'll talk with them, with you, and I'll hear their side of it. It stops right there. Now, folks, we're not out to see what Christian can we get to straighten him out. We're out to glorify Christ, to spread his gospel around the world. That's what our missions is about. That's what all these things are about. Look. I've, I've heard lies about people, about myself, but I've also heard lies about some of you people. I really have. I don't believe them. Let me just tell this story in closing. Some time ago, a lady was talking about how meanly my wife treated her. I mean, she was upset, and she starts spreading, spreading around to people. My wife treated her meanly. She was all right with it. I wasn't. And I, I was saying to my kids one day, I says, they're, they're going around spreading this thing around about your mother, saying how mean she was and how she does that. They busted out laughing. They said, Mom? <laughs> Mom is like that? And actually, when they did that, it kind of rebuked me. You see, when you know somebody and somebody makes those accusations, then you know they're false.
But they make an accusation, say, okay, I'm going to check that out. I'm going to go to the person. Well, I don't think that'd be, no, no, you've come to me. I'm going to use your name and go to them. Forget it. Now, as it turned out, that husband and wife did end up years later apologizing for that, admitting they were wrong. But that didn't happen. And so that's the good end of it. Ours is not to get people told. We're not trying to hurt people. But we are trying to prevent people from hurting their own testimony, hurting a church that's supposed to be a lighthouse for God. And look, hopefully we don't have anybody here like that. Hopefully we don't have anybody here like that. But I know that Satan will try to sow tares among the wheat. And when you get that kind, just pray that that kind will see the air their way and repent. And if not, that God would reveal them so that it be clearly seen. Now look, I bring this message because I felt like when we're looking at the torments of hell that we've been looking at on Sunday morning, we're not going to keep people out of that place if we're going to be carnal. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, talking about the people that are going to be there, we don't want to be like them. Unfortunately, too many Christians are. We don't want to be that way. Ours is to rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Be a good Christian. Because being a Christian means Christ-like. Let's grow to be godly. Let's grow to have holy lives. Let's grow to honor and glorify our Lord and Savior. Now, you can't do that if Jesus Christ is not your Savior. Jesus said, Him that come to me, I will no wise cast out. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. The only way you're going to go to heaven is by placing your life, your faith in Jesus Christ, saying, Lord, I can't do it myself, and you can't even start to do it yourself. It's not you and Jesus, it's you giving yourself to Jesus and letting him cleanse you of your sin. That's what his blood was shed for. Giving him your life. I've said to many parents over the years, do you have power with God that if your child was in the hospital and the doctor said only prayer will save him, do you have the power with God? One parent actually said to me, well, I'd have to call you pastor. You know what that actually happened? I was out of town. They wanted me to rush over to the hospital. I couldn't rush over to the hospital. I wasn't here. But the last thing I'd told that person, though, before that ever happened was, you know what? I would come, but if I'm here, I would come, but your child was entrusted to you by God, not by me. God wants your prayer to be right. Christian, our lives need to be right if our prayers are going to be effective for our children. But you can't have effective prayer for your children if you're not saved. Do you know if you die tonight that heaven's your home? Let's bow our heads, please.